Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Monday night edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Uh, just a few days now after Ole Miss and Florida had some time to settle in and gauge some fan reaction. So we're going to talk about that and how this game and the outcome of this game was received by you. And also some press conference audio from Lane Kiffin. Didn't really give a whole lot while he met with the media this week. That's to be expected. That's how he's going to be. Uh, I think it's fine. It doesn't really bother me one way or the other. He wants to keep things kind of under wraps. He doesn't answer questions about Kentucky with great depth, and I'm okay with that. I mean, of course, as a person in the content business, I would prefer uh, to have these long, drawn-out answers, but I'm okay if he doesn't. I think it's fine. I will play some of these interesting things for you, especially when it comes to uh, his thoughts on Matt Corral. And then there was a vote today that uh, he, he gave us some information on that I'll play for you as well. But first, the podcast is brought to you every week by LB's just across from Kroger on University Avenue. If you didn't go to LB's on your way into Oxford this weekend, don't make that same mistake again. No football weekend is complete without first making a stop at LB's. Go by Greg. Go by LB's. Tell Greg we sent you here at Super Talk. Tell him we sent you. And don't forget also to get one of their daily lunch specials. Those are available Monday through Friday, but they are open seven days a week. That's LB's. There in Oxford, best place in Mississippi to get your meat, just across from Kroger on University Avenue. And let's get started here. I I noticed immediately after the game, I watched it with a few people, and their reaction was kind of uh, what I saw from basically everybody, uh, Ole Miss fans across the board. We had one listener today, just one, say that they were let down by Saturday's results, but they're, they're certainly an outlier, at least based on my observation, and they should be an outlier, but uh, the reaction that I've seen, now whether it be on Twitter or people I've talked to or people texting into the radio show, uh, was one of optimism. Now, I got a lot of that on Sunday, on my, my show on Sunday, uh, and then Hey Dad Richard and I got some of that today as well, that yes, it was a loss. And I'm going to play you some audio from Kiffin here in a little bit when uh, he says that when you give up this many points, there's no positives to take away, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you give up 51 points, what can I say that's good? Nothing was good. Uh, He even got sarcastic with uh, getting off the field on third down uh, comment. But um, like I said on Saturday immediately after the game is there's no such thing as moral victories it's a wins and losses business but uh, gauging most of the fan base a lot of you seem very optimistic you're not celebrating I mean you're not happy that you lost the game but there's a lot of optimism right now and I don't mean to tell you how to feel but that's exactly the right emotion that you should have when it comes to the outcome of this game we had a lot of people especially today, talk about how, well, the Ole Miss defense is just horrible. It's awful. It's the worst defense you've ever seen. Historically bad stuff like that. Completely dismissing the fact that Florida is as good as they are. It's a top five team for a reason. 
Kyle Trask was first-team All-SEC for a reason. Kyle Pitts is probably a first-round pick. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be able to guard him this year. Yes, Ole Miss has problems defensively. Ole Miss does not have the athletes and the players to compete with a team to the caliber of Florida. But if you think that this is going to be every week, that every week they're going to give up 450 yards through the air, 200 yards on the ground, I don't think that's the case. I think people are underselling how good Florida really is when it comes to this. But you should have expected Ole Miss to struggle at times defensively. You should have expected this. There's a Jimmy's and Joe's issue for Ole Miss on defense, on top of it being a young and inexperienced group. But optimism is the right way to feel after this. It was very clear, even with the spring being non-existent and the offseason being what it was and COVID disrupting everything, Ole Miss played with a purpose on Saturday. Ole Miss played, especially offensively, of course, there was clearly a direction. I mean, aside from a couple of tweets, I guess, um, you also see it in recruiting. I mean, being critical of their recruiting effort right now, I think, is is something really silly, especially because they're probably going to get some significant news on the defensive side in recruiting here coming up on Wednesday. A, uh, a four-star is potentially going to commit to Ole Miss, a defensive back. So keep your eye on that. Um, everything that Lane Kiffin has done since he's taken over at Ole Miss has been with a purpose. There's a reason for everything he does, and he's really checking all the boxes, but none of that matters until you can see it on the field. You know, you can do all the right things off the field, and if you don't win, it doesn't matter. Look at Mark Richt, and he won a lot of games at Georgia, but off the field, he did everything right and just still couldn't win the big one. I'm not saying Lane Kiffin is Mark Richt and Ole Miss is not Georgia, but up until the start of the game on Saturday, even the most objective of eyes unless you're seeking controversy, the most objective of eyes could tell you that Lane Kiffin, everything that he had done was with a purpose. Hired a staff with a purpose. If you look at all their backgrounds, they're scattered around the South. They're planting recruiting seeds all over the Southeast, getting players from anywhere. The the way he handled all of the social justice off-season stuff, that was all done uh, with a purpose, with a direction, with foresight. Uh, and then now you saw it in action, in an actual football game, the thing that matters the most. You had a scheme that made sense. You had play calling with a purpose. There was in-game adjustments, and then he said all the right things after the game, and you're going to hear some of it in a little bit, but um, it's just so drastically different between this and, say, a Houston Nut, for example. I mean, Houston Nut's famous for the whole it wasn't 49 to 10 was it Neil I mean up there talking about how great it you know they lost a game blew the game it was against Arkansas that day um blew a game and he was talking shit for lack of a better term to a media member about his prediction well they lost the game anyway and then a far cry from what you saw over the last three years with um in-game management, coaching decisions, personnel decisions, things like that. It's different than the Hugh Freeze era. Uh, Lane Kiffin uh, very clearly um, doesn't give a damn about the things that he shouldn't care about. It's pretty remarkable that the, the guy that is supposed to be the wild card, 
the guy that is not safe and has this troubled past that Kiffin does has been the most forward-thinking, pragmatic, measured, and purposeful Ole Miss coach that they've had in, in a long time. Um, and you got to see it. You saw it Saturday against Florida in a game they lost. Now, they've got to go out and do it again. I think they have a really good shot if they play the way they did Saturday at beating Kentucky. You go to, to Lexington and win, and now you're really off to the races. If you lose, then it's the momentum's going to slow down a little bit. So it's a very important game on Saturday. But so far, everything, it, it all kind of came to fruition. You saw that there are a lot of holes on that team, especially defensively. They've got a lot of work to do. This wasn't some snap your fingers and become a contender type of job. It was a a build, uh, a rebuild. It was a build. That's what Kiffin was hired to do, and fans need patience with him in this program. But you saw, at least based on the reaction that I got on Sunday and then that, that we saw today, um people very clearly saw what was obvious and that Ole Miss has purpose and direction. That was a really, really big deal, playing the way they did. Purpose and direction is something that you haven't been able to say about your program in a long time. And like I said, it's a wins and losses business. It's a gettable game on Saturday with Kentucky. They are not Florida. And I'm looking forward to... uh, taking a deep dive at uh, their game against Auburn. I'll watch that uh, hopefully tomorrow night and uh, have a podcast, a reaction podcast for you on Wednesday. Hopefully we'll also have somebody that covers the team on the show as well. Uh, But a winnable game for Ole Miss. Um, Definitely not the defense or the offense uh, that Ole Miss saw uh, over the weekend. All right, let's get to this Lane Kiffin audio now. This is... uh, from earlier today, his press conference, uh, very short clips because this is how he's uh, he's going to be. Uh, this is just Lane Kiffin for you. Um, anyway, uh, we'll start with, uh, he was asked just general thoughts about Kentucky after evaluating the film. Uh, what has he seen from them so far? So here's Lane Kiffin on Kentucky. Well, I think they're very disciplined on defense. They don't do a lot of things, but they know what they're doing really well. Um, offensively, they, they run the ball really well, veteran offensive line. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, we're still in the beginning phases of them, but that's what I seem to know so far. And veteran offensive line is right. They're very, very good up front. Uh, Kentucky did this weird thing uh, on Saturday where they, they threw the ball with Terry Wilson a lot more than I think they should have. And it was a close game up, especially through halftime into the third quarter, um, and they have a really good running back in Cavassier Smoke, who's also on the all-name team. And Kentucky, for some reason, just did not get him carries. I think seven carries in the game. I expect to see something very different in regards to that uh, coming up on Saturday. He's not near the passer that Kyle Trask is, and they don't have the receiving core uh, that Florida does, but they have a good offensive line, and um, Terry Wilson is also uh, a pretty effective runner. Different challenge for Ole Miss's defense coming up here in uh, in just a few days. Next clip is um, who do you blame on the uh, the passing yards? He, he was asked basically, is it uh, the defensive line not getting pressure, or is it the secondary not being able to cover? Why were you not successful on defense against Florida? Here's his answer. 
I think both. I mean, anytime you give up <clears throat> the numbers we gave up, um, you know, it's not just one area. So we did not get very much rush, um, and we didn't cover that well. So that's not a good combination. That's how you, you know, like I said during the game, I said this is how you end up with, you know, a battle for the SEC Offensive Player of the Year between the quarterback and the tight end. But that was before that was before uh, Mississippi State had played, so that probably changed. And it was a, a double-edged sword. I, I said in the reaction podcast that, you know, people wanted Ole Miss to blitz, to uh, try to get to Kyle Trask, and they would do that, and Florida picked it up pretty well. But then also, if you do that, you leave a lot of space in the back end, and Ole Miss was losing those one-on-one matchups. So not really a whole lot you can do when you're getting beat uh, in both directions. Um, definitely, like I said, a different challenge with Terry Wilson coming up and Kentucky. Not the passing attack that you saw this past weekend. Speaking of passing attacks, Lane Kiffin's thoughts on his quarterback and the way he played, and uh, Matt Corral. Here are Kiffin's thoughts on Corral's game. Well, I think he did a good job with his feet getting out of trouble. Um, I think he was very composed, really good adjusting with him on the sidelines. Uh, both quarterbacks were. and But his feet are a little bit all over the place at times in the passing game, and so uh, we got to clean that up because he was late on some balls that you know, were really open that ended up being completed but could have been touchdowns. The composure aspect of what, of that is something that I noticed uh, on Saturday. Um, it's just different from last year, and that requires offensive competence and, uh, and some experience as well. That's why the people that quit on Matt Corral the way they did and, and just drew this line between he's a bum and, and – uh, the other side, it was just bizarre uh, the way he was talked about and stuff this offseason. Uh, there's there's certainly an ulterior motive, motive to some uh, criticism of Matt Corral. It's really, a lot of it's got nothing to do with his actual play, but uh, that was good to see. It was definitely improvement year over year from Matt Corral and, and the way he handled it. Uh, the footwork thing is interesting, and yeah, definitely laid on a couple of those deep balls. He completed them. Uh, which I guess at the end of the day is far better than the opposite. But they still have some work to do. He was very, very good on Saturday, but uh, Kiffin and Corral himself both admitted that uh, they've still got some work to do. And so if there's criticism after throwing for uh, almost 400 yards and three touchdowns the way he did, if there's still room for improvement, then uh, I think that's a pretty good sign. I imagine you guys do uh, as well. All right, next is uh, tight end, the graduate transfer, Kenny Uboa. Uh, really good second half, and then Kiffin added a little nugget in here about uh, things showing up on film that I think is interesting. So here's Lane Kiffin's thoughts on the play of his tight end. Yeah, he had a really good second half. Um, you know, actually missed the block on a swing there that would have been a big play, uh, number 51, but then came back, I think, three straight plays in a row, if I remember right. So that was good to see. Um, he'd missed some time also with injuries, so uh, really good because you know we're going to have to have other people because you know now that we put what we did on film, you know we're going to get a lot of different coverages to Elijah. I'm fascinated to see what the adjustments are because I mean Todd Grantham's not stupid, right? He's he's one of the considered one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I'm sure he knew that Ole Miss was going to try to get the ball to Elijah Moore. I mean, if you look at last year's film, he's really the only wide receiver that showed up on film because he was the only one that they used. And it looked like at times Florida even tried to bracket him and stuff like that, and he was still able to get open. 
Curious to see how Kentucky decides to attack stopping Elijah Moore, but this might be the kind of game where, uh, like Kiffin mentioned, Kenny Yoboa is extremely important. Ontario Drummond, maybe Jonathan Mingo gets into the action. Uh, Braylon Sanders, somebody like that. Uh, maybe even you start using Ely out of the backfield, similarly to the way Mississippi State used Kylan Hill, which was ex- ex- incredibly effective against LSU last week. If Kentucky tries to do everything they can to stop Elijah Moore, this is the game where somebody else has to emerge. Because if it is on film and Kentucky brackets him and tries to take him away, Ole Miss has other playmakers. They do. And Drummond showed you flashes of that on Saturday. And so did Yaboa, obviously. Uh, that can um, take some of that pressure off of Elijah Moore. They've got to step up now and do it. Because it sounds like Kiffin anticipates uh, that Kentucky is going to do whatever they can to try to take Elijah Moore away from the game. And why wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, even with Florida, who's got more talent in the secondary than Kentucky, focuses on trying to stop him, and they still can't. You know they're going to try to take him away. So interesting thoughts uh, there. But really good to see Elijah Moore, um, because you know he's a good player, Uh, kind of redeem himself. Because the story about him was only about the the PP celebration. And... um, He's a really capable wide receiver who has a shot at the next level for sure. So seeing him produce the way he does, uh, that's good to see, considering uh, the way he was talked about for a while there. I mean, deservedly so, but he's uh, he's stepping up, and uh, that's cool to see. All right, next is Kiffin on the uh, the fourth down decision, why he decided to go for it on fourth down in the opening possession. No, that's the analytics. The book said said that. Um, you know, and, and whenever you follow the analytics, you're going to lean more towards going for things than what you're used to seeing or what you you know grew up watching. You know, just because that's that's what the analytics say. <clears throat> People don't really take in the value of seven versus three and and how big that is when when it comes to the numbers. So um, a lot of times when you follow that, you end up going for it. You know, more than more than what you're used to. And like I said on Saturday, I, I suspect that they're going to be doing that a lot more, yeah, even potentially going against what the analytics book says. Uh, I mean, they're just so bad in the kicking game. Uh, I mean, after the holding call brought back a, a touchdown, um, a 42-yard field goal probably was short and not even really close to being on target. Um I imagine they're probably going to go for it even more on fourth down. And that makes some people uncomfortable. I saw there was a little bit of reaction on going for it on fourth and three uh, in the opening drive of the game. I'm sure some people would have loved to have gotten three points there. I know last year Ole Miss would have kicked the field goal there, but um, he's going to go by the analytics. And like he says, a touchdown is more valuable than a field goal. And and they're going to do that sometimes. And now they they have a kicker that is simply unreliable, just not reliable at all. And so you might even see more uh, of these fourth down decisions, especially when you know you're you're beyond thirty five or forty yards uh, when a field goal is just um, high percentage. Excuse me, low percentage uh, at that point. Um, they're going to go for it a lot, and that's going to frustrate some people. Uh, but that is that is what you get when you hire Lane Kiffin, and it's what Ole Miss should have done last year at a lot of points in the season um, simply because they're not reliable in the kicking game. Um, so you might as well take a risk on fourth down instead of 
a toss-up field goal. So um, interesting stuff there as well. Next, uh, a real quick clip. Uh, Henry Parrish is a guy we talked about going into the game. Didn't get a single carry, though. Played a bit on special teams. Uh, the the freshman running back from Florida. Here's Lane Kiffin on why you didn't see him get any carries. Yeah, we. Um, I think Henry would have probably got in there. Um, he had missed a couple days last week with an injury, so um, he only played on special teams. But I would anticipate seeing him some on offense. Yeah, and, and in hindsight, of course, I think I said this on Saturday as well, the uh, the third and one call where Tylen Knight took the handoff is probably something you're not going to see again. Uh, you know, fool me once. Um, interested to see how Perry, uh, Perry, Parrish fits into the offense, considering you've got two really solid and high-level running backs in Ely and, and Connor. Um, I wonder how much a third back is going to factor into that offense, but... Um, they've insisted he's going to play. Kiffin just said, as you heard, that he's going to play. They raved about him in camp and playmakers. Ole Miss just has a plethora of them, and uh, I guess we'll get to see Parrish really for the first time uh, coming up on Saturday. All right, next clip. uh, Just general thoughts about how the offensive line played. Uh, No rotation. Uh, They played five guys, and that's really it. And... Shout out to the conditioning, by the way. I mean, they didn't do any rotating on the offensive line. It was really the same five guys throughout the game, and they were still getting push and protecting the quarterback late in the ball game against a really good Florida defense. I don't know how sustainable that is over 10 games, but uh, Wilson Love must have done a good job uh, because that is not something you could have said about Ole Miss uh, over the last many years. But anyway, here are uh, Lane Kiffin's thoughts on uh, his offensive line play. Uh, up and down there's some really good stuff you know some good protections on some deep balls um and in the run game we left a lot of yards out there whether it was you know getting beat or not going to the right guys um it really cost us especially in you know we have a third and two and a third and one back-to-back drive so it's six plays and out that we don't make the third and one and third and two um with some identification issues and they'll certainly have to clean that up, uh, especially uh, as you move along on this schedule and you're going to continue to see really good uh, defensive lines. But uh, considering the group has uh, got some inexperience and, and some youth uh, against a defense as good as the one that they saw, uh, I think that was an encouraging sign to see the way they played. Um, protected Corral pretty well. I mean, they really did. And if it's communication issues or, or, or assignment issues, that's something that they can work out. That I'm far less worried about the offensive line uh, being successful down the road than I am the defensive line because I think they've got the guys there that can execute and perform at a high level. The question is for Ole Miss on the defensive side. No matter how well prepared they are and if they work their assignments or not, can they make the plays? That's the big question. All right, a couple more clips here. Uh, this one on the transfer rules. So, Uh, Otis Reese did not get to play on Saturday because he had yet to be cleared because the NCAA and the SEC, as we've learned, um, is grossly incompetent and does not serve the student-athletes well at all. But apparently there was a vote. Lane Kiffin said there was a vote today to remove the SEC rule that limits interconference transfers. Uh, That would hopefully help clear the path to get Otis Reese on the field. But he's already... Retro, I mean, basically served a one-game suspension because of NCAA incompetence. Uh, so 
this entire thing's a, a joke to begin with, but this would at least remove one of the hurdles that Ole Miss would jump through. And there's a couple of other players as well, Joey Gatewood at Kentucky, Cade Mays at Tennessee, that did interconference transferring that are getting screwed right now because of an arbitrary rule that doesn't make any sense to begin with. And now that is potentially going to change. So here's Lane Kiffin on that vote that apparently was taken today, kind of flying under the radar just a little bit. I mean, I've seen it out there, but kind of a big deal. And uh, hopefully they can get it done so uh, a college kid uh, can play the game that he's worked so hard uh, to play because robbing him of that um, just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, here's Lane Kiffin on that. Well, I don't think there should be a rule, and that's not for Otis. I just think in general. I mean, you you have the rule, you know, in place that you have to sit. But if you win an NCAA waiver, you know, for things, I, I don't know why why you wouldn't just then have to go over an SEC hurdle. That, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I obviously know why it was because people didn't want people transferring in conference. But that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be about the student athlete, and so. There's circumstances that a kid wins an NCAA waiver. You know, the SEC, in my opinion, shouldn't be blocking that. And I just think it's because it was set in stone, you know, years ago uh, to block kids. So that's why they're reviewing it. Because there's obviously people that feel the same. I have not seen as of uh, it's about 8 o'clock on Monday night whether or not that rule has uh, been changed uh, or what the vote was. I have not seen anything on Otis Reese. Um, It's really a shame. Really a shame. Um, If he doesn't, if he's not able to play this year. But it's already pretty sad that he's had to miss at least one game because of incompetence. That is just... um, that's just not right, uh, what is happening to him uh, right now. Just not right. All right, last clip from Lane Kiffin. He was asked about what road trips are, are going to be like, specifically this one, of course, uh, with COVID protocols and stuff like that. And um, I think you're going to like his answer. So here's uh, Lane Kiffin on what the road trip is going to be like uh, with COVID. Well, we have more buses than normal. I don't, I don't know what that's going to do because we're going to get on a plane and all sit by each other. So what, what, what good does that do? I have no idea, but it makes it look like we're doing something, I guess. So um, so I, I, I don't understand it. And we're going to go on a plane and everybody's going to be right next to each other. And so it is what it is. David, you Burn some extra gas. <laughs> Oh, he's not wrong, though, is he? He's not wrong at all. I mean, what the hell's the point of using multiple buses if you get on the same airplane? I mean, it's like the same thing in the NFL. Uh, Sean Payton got fined $100,000 for not having his mask on when he tested negative all week, when his team tested negative all week, and everybody on the field tested negative all week. They get tested every single day. Why does he have to have a mask on when everybody, he and everybody around him are negative. It's just, it's so stupid. And you had a New York Times, I think it was, reporter ask Mike Leach some some ridiculous gotcha question uh, about how he didn't, you know, perfectly wear his mask on the sidelines. And um, yeah, so the question, Alan uh, Blinder from the New York Times, his question was, 
You didn't wear a face covering actively for a lot of the game. Why not? And, you know, Mike gave his response about how, you know, he tried the best I could, but he was trying to call plays and he he kept bringing it down and there's challenges and stuff like that. It might be better this week. And then Mike goes, how did you do with your face mask? You pretty good with face mask guy? And the guy said, I do my best. And Leach said, okay, let me ask you. Let me get a few pointers here. What do you do when your mask does the breathe in thing on the mouth? What kind of face mask do you have? Guy goes, I just have what I bought on Amazon, goes around my ears and that sort of thing. Mike Leach said, so the ears and then this, right? And he held up like a little cover. Guy said, yeah. And Mike said, see, I've got this face sock thing which sits on your neck instead of hanging on your ears. Do you ever find that pretty soon those things will start to smell bad? And then all of a sudden you're going, what's that smell? What's going on there? There's nothing going on out there. That's your breath. So I need to practice with it. What do you do when you're talking? Do you have a trigger to remind you to pull that thing back up? Because I found myself a little too preoccupied to do it. And then all of a sudden it's around my neck there. The guy said, yeah, I think everyone's different. I was just curious what your thinking was, if it was some kind of statement or, and then Leach cuts him off and says, I try to do my best with it, but once you're six feet apart, I can't help but wonder if some of this is a homage to politicians, but I do try to stay six feet apart. Good for Mike Leach. This this reporter from the New York Times doesn't give a damn, just wants to come in and get some kind of gotcha quote to run in this pretentious New York Times where they, they get that old... You know, Mississippi football coach trying to make a statement when in reality it's just a pain in the ass to wear the mask. He and all of his team has tested negative and he's got to call plays and stuff like that. So he didn't have it up on his face. And this guy was trying to get him to say it was some kind of statement. And Mike Leach is absolutely right. If you are appropriately social distanced and you you don't have a mask on, that's okay. There was a, a TV reporter in New Orleans that uh, shared a bunch of crowd shots from the LSU-Mississippi State game, and just, there are four pictures, and it was, nobody in here is abiding by the mask policy, and the governor needs to address it, and all this stuff. In the pictures that he shared, everybody was separated from each other. Everybody was separated from each other. If you're sitting outside and you're 20 feet away from the next person, you don't have to have a damn mask on. I I wear them. I'm not a conspiracy guy. It's real. I wear them when I'm around people. But if I was outside in a stadium and the next guy is 20 feet away from me, I'm not wearing it. I don't have to. So the, the mask shaming thing when it comes to stuff like that is so stupid. Separated at a football game. Finding... Sean Payton, when he and everybody around him doesn't have it for not wearing one. Getting on this press conference and asking Mike Leach, you know, why didn't you have yours up the whole game? Stop. I mean, come on. Do do these people not have anything better to do? I guess maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I wear it when necessary, but when not necessary, it's okay. It's okay that the football coach didn't have have his mask on. Anyway, going off on a tangent. But yeah, Lane Kiffin is right. <laughs> What's the point of separate buses if you're going to get on the same plane? Anyway, all right, that's it for me. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Subscribe and rate the podcast. That would be very much appreciated. Leave a five-star review. Say whatever you want, but just you know, make sure you hit five stars. Don't forget to go by LBs and see Greg. Tell him that we sent you, and I will talk to you again 
on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.